you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 23? Book of Luke, chapter 23. Introducing this passage, I wrote that there were a lot of voices that were speaking during Christ's baptism or surrounding the events around Christ's baptism and and those subsequent events. And there was a lot of voices that were occurring. There was John the Baptist's voice. Incidentally, let me just mention this. In English, we say John the Baptist, but in the Greek, it's John, and then it's a participial phrase. It's John the baptizing one. And we just simplify it by saying John the Baptist, but it's really John who was known as the one who was baptizing. And so... During Christ's baptism, there's all these voices. There's John's voice. Uh, His voice said, I need to be baptized by you and not me doing the baptismal of you. But the thing about the Lord, sometimes the Lord doesn't always listen, does he? He didn't listen to John. He said, John... This needs to be done. I need to be baptized by you to fulfill righteousness. So this is John's voice. If you study scripture close enough, which I'm sure most of you do, there were other people who were being baptized when Christ was being baptized. This is my, I guess for the lack of a better word, this is my preacher's Grace, if you'll give it to me. Those voices that were being baptized also with Jesus, they might have maybe said to themselves, well, I wonder what his past life must have been for him, for him to be baptized. What's his story? What's his past? So there might have been those voices there. Then the scripture says that when Christ was praying, it's a wonderful truth there, when Christ was praying, can you help me out? What else occurred when Christ was praying? The Bible says that the heavens were opened and a voice spoke. And the voice said, this is my son. And so there's the Lord's voice. But as you look closely at that, right after the baptism, we have the fourth voice. That's the voice of the devil. Scripture says that Jesus immediately was thrust forth into the wilderness. And then there's the voice of the devil that says to Jesus, Jesus, since you're the son of God, the Greek word there is, it's a, it's a preposition. It's, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's implying not if you're the son of God or but because you're the you're the son of God. He says, You're kind of hungry right about now. And why don't you just go ahead and command these stones to become bread? And so as we look at that, we see different voices. John's voice, it was a good voice, but it was not necessarily the right voice. The people's voice might have been a questioning voice, but they just really didn't have all the facts. God the Father had the right voice because he honors the Son and he establishes his sonship before he goes and does the work. But we also have this demonic voice. And if we're going to be honest, in our lives, a lot of times there's a lot of voices that surround us or even voices that can be within us. And so what I'd like to do with you this morning and together is I'd like us to look at and I'd like us to expose some destructive voices that are around us. And I'd like us to ultimately hold on and look at the voice that leads us 
to the fullness of life. The title for our consideration this morning is, Shh, I Hear Voices. Would you begin with me in verse 18 of chapter 23 in Luke's gospel? Notice what the scriptures there say behind me. The scripture says, but they all cried out together. The question we have to just look at first is, who is the they? Scripture says, but they all cried out together. Probably in the context here, it's referring to the ruling members of the Jewish Sanhedrin. It's the ones that would make executive decisions. Probably it would also include other Pharisees that might not necessarily have been part of the Sanhedrin, but might have been maybe influential in their roles. Could have been that there were some scribes that were there, and maybe other people that might have been here before Pilate also might have been maybe some high-ranking Jewish people. And so the scripture says that all these people that were here in Pilate's presence the scripture says that they all cried out together. Let me make just this statement, if I may. And I believe it's true that there can be a tremendous amount of power in unity. Scripture says that one puts a thousand to flight, but two... It's 10,000. Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in my name, specific purpose, there I am with them in their midst. Scripture talks about, on another occasion, how can two truly walk together Amos says, except they be agreed. It's hard to have a good marriage when you're not in agreement or when in general principles of life, you're walking together with the other person. Scripture talks about, in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that they were in the upper room, but they were all in one accord. Of course, you heard that corny joke. They must have been in a Honda. Was that a good one? Did you like that one, Ken? I thought, I thought that was corny. You know what I'm saying? But, and you look at each one of these circumstances but there's a tremendous amount of power when there's unity. That's why so many churches, they fall apart. Somebody wants it this way, somebody wants it this way, or somebody thinks this and somebody thinks that. And because there's this lack of grace and of love toward each other, there's all sorts of fighting and all sorts of bickering. And then the body of Christ forms a schism and tremendous destruction occurs and the only one that wins is the devil. And yet, if you look at that passage, there's a tremendous amount of power and unity. If, if I was to, I'm not much of a person that knows much about guns, but let's just say we had a big old barrel of gunpowder. And if I was to take all the, the gunpowder and I was to put some in this particular corner of the church and that corner and some in the foyer and somewhere back in the back and just in a thousand different places and I was to light that piece of gunpowder in their own places every 30 or 45 seconds basically what you would have you might have just a just some kind of a, a psh, an explosion or a bang and that's about it but if you were to take all that gunpowder and put it in a I don't know if there's even such a thing in a 110 barrel I know there's 55-gallon 55 barrels, aren't there? But if you were to have two or three of them together, and if you put it all together, 
And if you had just a little string or something that uh, you could light, uh, and if you knew that it was moving, I think it probably would be a good idea if we all did what they say in Mexico, vamanos. Let's get out of here. Because how many of you know a whole bunch of gunpowder going off at one time? I mean, if you know, that's really snap, crackle, and pop right there. They talk? That's do what? That's <laughs> dunamis right there. That's, that's power right there, right? Most of you probably are, remember, remember this, the largest terrorist attack states uh, took place in 1995. And the person that was involved in that attack, really the main ringleader, was a fellow by the name of Timothy McVeigh. Anybody remember that? And I'll just kind of give you the essence of it. But he rented a rider rental truck. I want to say, I didn't exactly find out what he filled it with, but I want to say somehow there was some fertilizer. Is that, is that what it is, sodium nitrate? And he kind of filled it up, right? But because of that, he stopped right in front of the Murrah building there on April 19th, 1995. He stopped right in front of the building. And then when the explosion went off, 168 people died. There's 324 buildings that were either destroyed or damaged and depending on the building, depending on the severity, but that took place within a 16 square block radius. Now that's a tremendous amount of power, isn't it? But it was all united. They say that the approximation of the damage of what occurred because of the unity of all this sodium nitrate, whatever he had there, that it was close to two-thirds of a billion dollars of damage that occurred because of the craziness of this man's thinking and because of the unity of him putting all that, I'll just use my word, that gunpowder together. And so you might say to me, well, what are you driving at? Look at the passage right before me. The scripture says, they, Jesus is before Pilate, they all cried out together. And so you might as well just throw that, that, that line up. This, this particular statement, the voices of men overcame the unity of the voices of men overcame the voice of a king. That's power. And yet, if we look at that particular passage one more time, verse 18 and 19, the scripture says, they cried out together and they began to say, listen, away with this man. That's kind of real fancy talk when we're saying away with this man. They're not just saying shun him to the side or push him away. In essence, what they're saying is, let me stop here. They're saying basically what? Kill him. Crucify him. And so the scripture says that they cry out together and they said, listen, Pilate, let's get rid of this man. Let, let's crucify him. Let, let's kill this man. And let's, or give to us, release to us Barabbas. Now, you know who Barabbas was. He was involved in a riot. He was involved in insurrection, a revolt against the Romans, because there was not this great cohesiveness between those two countries. And so the scripture says that they said, listen, give us Barabbas. But in essence, Barabbas was a murderer. He had murdered at least one, maybe might have been involved in more because of the revolt. And yet I thought to myself, isn't it funny? And yet 
I think you would all agree with me. Many people would rather have trash than they would really have his treasure. I've worked the streets long enough to know the following. I can't tell you if it actually happened to me or maybe it was told to me, but I know it to be true. I've been on the streets and probably all sorts of different streets, and and I'm talking to somebody and I'm witnessing to them about the Lord, and the guy's just a a bad dope fiend. I don't know, do do they still use that word anymore, dope fiend? Drug addict we used to use. Anybody remember dope fiend? Couple, just a dope fiend. And I've talked to guys on the streets, and and I'm talking about the Lord, and somebody else will come up to us, hey, 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 Mario, Mario, look. And there's some killer dope. And this dope is, is su- it's such a killer dope that people are actually dying shooting up that dope because I don't know what it's mixed with or, or maybe just, just has a strong high level of just pure heroin. And so I'll be talking to this guy and because this friend, there's some killer dope. And the guy will say, hey, listen, I gotta go. But isn't it true? People, even throughout this whole area, they'd rather have trash than a treasure. And in essence, this is what's happening here. Away with this man, get rid of him. Crucify him, give us Barabbas. Now, lest we get too cocky, the reality of it is you're Barabbas. I'm Barabbas because, you see, I've killed. Oh, no, preacher, you haven't killed. We haven't killed. Yeah, you have. Let me tell you how I've killed. Can we kill somebody's integrity by saying something negative about them to somebody else? Can we kill somebody's reputation because maybe we're jealous or insecure or whatever, or we disagree and our flesh rises up. Can we kill other people in those ways? And the answer is, absolutely. Can we kill somebody's dreams and visions? And we kind of, and I'll just use this word, I'm not using it in an uncouth way. We kind of poo-poo their ideas what Joseph's brother said concerning Joseph when he was coming. Here comes this dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. And so we can kill somebody's dreams or or visions or or desires. And, And so this is exactly what this group of people are saying. Hey, listen. They said, hey, listen. Throw Jesus in prison. Kill Jesus and let us have Barabbas. But I'm Barabbas. You're Barabbas, so when we look at the story, we're really looking at a picture of ourselves. Remember the game Monopoly? In there, you had one card. Help me out. When you go, and the card says, my goodness, you might as well come and preach here. (laughs) And you kind of land on jail. And if you have the card, you get out of jail. My friend, the wonderful thing about the gospel, God's given every human being a get out of jail card. But we've got to take that card to get out. What does the scripture say? The scripture says over there in 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 21, it says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That you and I, here's the beauty of the gospel, that you and I can become, help me out, the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, If we're in Christ, because that's what he said in verse 17, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new, old things are 
and everything becomes. So if we're in Christ, God the Father accepts what Christ the Son has done. And if you're in him, we can stand before God on that final day and we can even stand before him on this day and there's no condemnation because I have a wonderful Savior who loved me and demonstrated that wonderful love by giving me a get-out-of-jail card and he goes to jail so that I can be free. They that know the Lord Jesus, you can be free indeed. Can I have a witness in the house? And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter says, it says, Christ also suffered once, depending on the translation, it can go either way in the Greek. The just suffers for the unjust, or the righteous suffers for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And so the whole purpose, even though you begin to see human free will, this is what we want. And God says, okay, you have your free will. You kill Jesus, but all you're doing, your will is fitting into my exact perfect plan. God knows what he's all about. And so you see complete sovereignty of God in that passage, but you see complete free will. And so the scriptures there say, and they cried out together, get rid of this man. Give us Barabbas. Scripture tells us what kind of man he was. Verses 20 through 22. We're just going to go to verse 23. In verses 20 to verse 22, it kind of gives us a little further context. So Pilate talks to them One more time. And his heart was he wanted to release Jesus. That's what he wants to do. But these people kept saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Now, I thought about this. I've studied it. I don't know if I'm right. You'd have to kind of double check. It seems to be that the they who are shouting this seem to be those people that had were the religious leaders, as I've mentioned before, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the scribes and uh, ruling people. And the average person like maybe me is not there. So a lot of times you hear people say, ah, well, where were they? They couldn't get in here. They couldn't be in here. And these are the guys that are calling the shots. And so he talks to this group of people once again. He wants to let go of Jesus, but they say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then the scripture says, this is the third time that he says to them, why? Why should I crucify him? Pilate says, listen, what evil has this man done? He said, I've searched in his life. I don't find this man guilty of anything deserving death. He said, listen, let me just kind of whip him and let him go. Because in his heart, he probably knows, let me stop and ask you. In his heart, probably Pilate wants to do what or probably knows what. I'll stop and give you a chance to speak. Anybody or is it just me flapping my jaws? He wants to do what's right. Sometimes even kings don't do what's right. Put more to that, Jim. Explain that a little closer. Yeah, yeah, he knows. He, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a sham what's going on. Right, 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 right. So there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going on that's not right. Now notice what it says. Go ahead, Steve. You remember what his wife said? Don't have nothing to do with this man as a man, Larry? He, he, he didn't want the blood on his conscience. But let me just share with you. Sometimes 
when you're in a high position, man, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that's on me and you. Man, to always do or try and to go against the crowd, it's not easy. That's how we should honor Jesus that much more. The whole crowd's against him. Jesus said, doesn't matter what the crowd says. I've come here to do the will of my father and I want to please him regardless of what men are saying to me or doing to me. Two times that you see it, because the Bible says this is the third time, just just quickly look at the next couple of uh, the slide. It it says, you begin to see uh, what Pilate said previously. Pilate said, notice just verse four, Pilate said to the chief priest, to the crowds, listen, I, I don't find this man guilty of anything. Look once again at verse 14. Pilate said to them, listen, you brought me this man as one who's misleading the people. I've examined him before you. Look, I don't find this man guilty of any of the charges against him. And so this is what Pilate senses. This is a sham. They're just railroading this guy. Poor, Poor Jesus. He opens not a mouth. He's like a lamb led to the slaughter. My friend, what a wonderful Savior we have. As we look at this passage, we're talking about voices. And so I'd like to move toward closing. I didn't say it'd be a short closing, but toward closing. What are the voices that we have to overcome? Pilate didn't overcome the voice or the voices. And because Pilate didn't overcome the voices, but he was overcome by the voices, those voices that overcame, it killed the Messiah right in their midst. And sometimes you and I will have voices around us. And if we will not overcome the voices, it will stifle or kill the fullness and the flow of Jesus in our life. Can I have a witness? Here are the four voices. The first voice is the voice of deep distress and discouragement. Deep distress. Because I don't care what any other preacher is going to say to you. I'm telling you the truth. You and I will go through deep, difficult valleys and struggles and strains in our life. That's the reality. I can show you plenty of scripture verses. We have to overcome the voice of discouragement. I shared this in our staff meeting about a couple of weeks ago. Story of David. And talk about discouragement. Talk about distress. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, here's the situation in which David found himself in. The Bible says when David and his men came to Ziklag, here's the context. The context is David is running away from Saul. He's living to some degree in the area of the Philistines in a corner away from Saul so that Saul can't kill him. And so David's living in this place called Ziklag. It says when David and his men, they came back to Ziklag, he had been on some kind of a raid, etc. He says, and when he came back on the third day that he had gone and comes back on the third day, the Bible says that the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev, against Ziklag, the town, it's down in the south. They overcame Ziklag, they burned it with fire. They took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. Let me stop and ask you a question. When it says they were small and great, what's that mean? Huh? Could be women and children. What else might it mean? He took away the small and the great. Maybe the more prestigious people and just the regular people. The Malachites, they take them. Or it could be like you said, Nate. It could be maybe small and great, maybe children and maybe uh, adults. It says, the Amalekites, they didn't kill nobody. They carried them off. They go their way. Verse 3, and when David and, and his men, they come to the city, they, they find the city exactly like it's burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters are taken captives. I don't know about you, but I think I'd be, I'd be, that, that would not be a good day for me. Look at verses 4 through 6. And we're talking about we need to overcome the voice of discouragement. The Bible says, then David and the people who are with them, they raise their voices. And the Bible says they, they cried. Men cried till they had no more strength to cry. My friend, that's a bad hair day right there. 
that's a bad hair day. When you've cried so much, you can't even cry no more. There's no more, there's no more emotional oomph to get anything else out. Verse five, David's two wives also had been taken captive. Whew, you talk about getting, getting the ire up on a man. Let somebody come and take your wife away. Y'all are in the flesh. I'm not thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Listen, if you want to get rid of your flesh, the problem is not your wife. The problem is you. You're trying to get rid of her. Maybe you need to kind of beautify your wife so that you make her the beautiful woman that she should be. Come on, that thing may be tight, but that one's right. I got myself out of that one real fast. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal, or Nabal of Carmel. And the Bible says, and David was greatly distressed. He's discouraged greatly. The people, they're speaking of stoning him. But he's just in the will of God. My friend, you may be doing everything right. But doesn't mean that everybody is always going to be in agreement because people can get into their flesh. The Bible says that the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in their soul because each one of these men that were David, they had their sons and their daughters and their wives taken. But the Bible says, and here's how we overcome that voice of deep discouragement, deep distress. David encouraged himself. Listen, if the only time you ever get encouraged is when you come to church on a Sunday morning because there's glorious worship. And let me just share this on behalf of the musicians. This worship is as good as any in all these three county areas. You won't find a lot of churches when there's freedom and when there's glory and people come and wave flags and fall on their face before the Lord and they can worship the living God. My goodness, in some churches, if you just even begin to... So that. <laughs> and you have to learn how to prime the pump yourself. You have to find the strength of God yourself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. And sometimes that voice, when you're deeply distressed and deeply discouraged, that voice will make you want to do a lot of stupid things. But you've got to overcome that voice. Second voice that we have to overcome. Not only the voice of discouragement, sometimes we have to learn to overcome the voice of past failures. Because you see, this is what my experience has taught me, that a lot of times people who come to the Lord come to the Lord because there was something broken in their life. And God was so gracious that he allows us to hit rock bottom. And we turn to the Lord with all of our brokenness and all of our fragilities and, and all of our dysfunctionalism. And we turn to him and in his great love, even though he was last in line, he receives us unto himself. What a savior. Shoot, I wonder if you and I would do that. Oh, you want to come before my help now? You went to 77 other people? Well, come back in a week and we'll talk about that. But God's not like man. And the scripture says we need to overcome the voice of failures. Here's some people that failed. But they overcame. Here's the list of them that we have. We have Moses. We don't think of Moses, right? Moses is a murderer. He kills a man. Moses! The one who leads his people out of slavery to the promise. He's a murderer. My friend, I wonder if you and I murdered somebody. I wonder how strong our personalities would be. Would we have the strength to do everything that God would have us? Because sometimes what, what happens when we fail greatly, we become judge jury and executioner and we beat ourselves up mercilessly 
We can't do what God wants us to do. Moses is a murderer. David's an adulterer. Abraham's a liar. Jacob, well, let's talk about Jacob. Oh, Jake. I didn't say Jake Hole. I said Jake. Oh, Jacob. Ah, boy, he's a scoundrel. I'll let you preach here for a second. What old Jake do? He's a, but who was he a con man too? His own parents. He, he's, he's conning his mom and conning his dad, and he's in cahoots with his mother. You talk about a, a functional family. But God used him. Now, let, let me just say this as a caveat. Don't sin on purpose. Because sometimes we think, ah, well, they did it, I can do it too. My friend, sometimes it's a lot harder to lift up that load off of you because you may not have the same constitution that they had. And so here you have Jacob, man. He, he just had deceiving his family. You talk about failures and you talk about conning back and forth. Here you got Jonah. He, he's the backslidden preacher. Backslidden. And you got old Peter. Jim, I'm going to die. Not you, baby. I'm Peter. I'm right here with you. That cocky, arrogant little old boy. Full of pride. (laughs) No, Jesus. I'm here. Well, you want to see me do that one again or what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's me and you. Don't don't act like, not me. Ah, You and I were full of pride. But when we see these things, we say, Lord, I don't want them in my life. Because you know what? Feelings aren't my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And you have old Peter, cocky, arrogant, wonderful heart. Love the Lord. He failed because he begins to follow the Lord from afar. Are you following the Lord from afar? That's what Matthew chapter 26 says. Peter followed the Lord from afar. That's what happens in many churches. And let me just say, in many individual Christians' lives, they're Christians, but they're following from afar. And then they're warming up their hands by the fire of the world rather than by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And then you begin to put yourself in a position which you begin to deny the Lord. Until you have old Peter, and then you got John Mark. Oh, chicken. A difficult time. It's too much. Let me just say this while I'm here. Listen, grow up, some of you. I'm talking just generally. If it applies to you, take it. Nobody called me from the church. I've been there three weeks. I've been there five weeks. Nobody's visited me. Nobody's called me. I'm not going to go to the church. Babies, why don't you call somebody? The Bible says, he that would have friends must show himself friendly. Stop being about nobody. Nobody loved me. Nobody called me. Nobody burnt me. Nobody reached out to me. Me, 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 me. Why don't you do something for somebody else? And then, my friend, then you find yourself a giver. And the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But sometimes we have in church, we've got a lot of chiones. Charlie, how do you translate chion in, 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 uh, in English? Don't act like you don't. You're the best Spanish speaker here in the whole town. Charlie, chion is what? Yeah, big cry, baby. But Charlie, say it with a Puerto Rican sass. Give me, you know. Come on. I, I can say it like with a Mexican. So say it English with a real like it should be said. Oh, come on, Charlie. <laughs> Ayúdame. Come on, Candelaria. Ayúdame. And things got difficult. There's no Samson. He's a womanizer. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this, Preacher. They failed, but you look at their lives. They overcame their failures. I don't know maybe what's happened in your past. Don't allow your past to dictate your future. The apostle Paul said, forgetting what's behind, and I press on toward what's ahead. You forget what's behind. Hey, listen, it's under the blood. 
you just continue moving forward. You do what you got to do. You can use that as a testimony for the glory of God. But my friend, don't be overcome by your past. You overcome your past that God may be glorified in your life. Can I have a witness in the house? Thirdly, we only got four voices. So you know we're coming to the end. The voice of temptation. I was going to use, but Corinne said, ah, oh, Pastor Ted, you can't do that. You got to be simple. What's Corinne? Is she here or she's drinking coffee? Corinne was saying, nah, Pastor Ted. You know, she, she, she's, always, she's, always, she's always, you know, always, nah, Pastor Ted, you got to do it this way. And, you know, this is this way the young books do it over here. I listen to her. She's probably right most of the time. Don't tell her that, though. Don't, don't tell her. We don't want to give her the big head. Corinne, close your ears. You didn't hear that. And she said, just be real simple, Pastor Ted. Everybody understands simple. But I felt like putting it on that one just to let Corinne know, I got a mind I can think for myself. <laughs> it's the voice. Sometimes there's temptations, but sometimes there's strong temptations, aren't there? Strong temptations. There's a couple of little statements that I have concerning these temptations. Let me ask you, let me ask you, don't give me just the traditional ones. Give me eight and minutes, we'll probably finish. What are temptations that occur? I'm not talking about drugs and alcohol. Give me strong temptations that can reach or try to reach our lives today. But not just, Dominique? Pride can be a temptation. Porn can be a temptation. Money can be a temptation. There are a lot of people, they don't come to church because they have to go work on Sunday because it's double time. But they forget about seeking first the kingdom of God and they don't know that if they honor God, God will take care of their money. But God has a way when we don't start honoring God with our lives, God has a way of taking your money away. You better honor the Lord. You might as well. He can get it out of you. I've seen that happen a lot of times. Uh, Three others, other voices. Uh, Ken? Uh, Telephone. Yeah, yeah, that can be, that can be. Spending all that time on them games. You ever see them young kids? Mortal Kombat, is that a big game still? It's coming back. Uh, uh, Steve? Uh, Cheating. Cheating can be a temptation. Cheating a lot of different ways. Apathy and laziness. Ooh, that's a good one. Turn to your neighbor and say, is he talking to you? (laughs) Before I move to my fourth and final point, notice some of these great statements concerning the voice of temptation. Sibs the Puritan said, Satan will give you an apple. Satan will give you an apple, but it'll take away your paradise. Therefore, in all the temptations that you find, don't consider what the evil one's offering you. Consider what you're going to lose. I believe the second one is from Bunyan, the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, 1600s. He says, the Bible doesn't say to you, watch and pray, that you won't be tempted. But the Bible does say, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. It's one thing when temptation comes and it knocks at your door. It's another thing for that temptation to come into you. Bunyan said, when temptation enters you, you're entering into temptation. He said, take heed of that. Because you see, we can be here and temptations come in a thousand different ways. That's the voice that's trying to rob the glory of God. But we have to rise up the spirit of God, and be mighty in spirit and say, no, I belong to the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. Story told of President Garfield that somebody, they came up to him and said, President Garfield, listen, hey, you can make this deal here and you can make a lot of money on it. And, and, but Garfield knew there was a little shenanigans kind of behind that. And Garfield said, no, I can't do that. And then the guy who was offering him this deal, he says, but listen, but nobody will ever know. Garfield said, but I'm going to know And I got to sleep with President Garfield. You got to sleep with you. That's conscience. 
Best pillow, a clean conscience. How do you overcome the voice of temptation? Listen, how do you overcome when these tremendous temptations come? How about getting near the fire of the Holy Ghost? When's the last time you've seen flies land on a boiling, thrice boiling kettle that's thrice boiling? Flies won't even come there because if they come there, they die. Friend, when a temptation comes, get next to one who has the fire and remain there until that situation passes and cry out and remain in faith until it goes. But we need to say, Lord, where do I go to? You got the words of eternal life. This will destroy me. This will drown out the voice of God in my life. And Lord, you're my good. And fourthly and lastly, We have the voice. I know there's a voice. Sometimes people need to pay attention to the voice. <laughs> One out of 12. <laughs> Next slide. <laughs> Over and out. It's 12 o'clock. It's time to go. <laughs> Do we have one more slide? It's the voice of unbelief. The voice of unbelief, that, that's a voice that we need to, to overcome. In the book of Genesis, this story that we forget, but when I looked at it again, I said, wow, that's great. Do you remember when the angels, they came to a certain man's house in a town called Sodom? His name was? And the Bible says that they said to Lot, Lot, you need to get out of here because... I'm going to destroy the town. And so Lot hears it, and he goes talks to his daughters, but he also goes talks to his two son-in-laws. But if you study that passage, it says, when he spoke to them, it says, and he seemed as one that was mocking. They didn't believe him. And when we will not believe the word of the Lord, And when we will not act on the word of the Lord, we're just like Lot's two son-in-laws. We die in our unbelief and we do not find the, the, the freedom and the victory and the deliverance because we didn't believe what God had said. Now, let me just, a few things in closing. Last slide. I think this is my last slide. Here's some commonly believed lies. Nobody really cares about me. It's a lie. God cares about you. This preacher cares about you. There's a lot of people around you that care about you. I'm sure there's family members that care about you. But we believe this lie. And if we believe nobody loves me, nobody loves me, we isolate ourselves. And the devil comes to play. I don't have any friends. I don't fit in. That's not true. There's a lot of people who don't want to have you as a friend. You've got talents. You've got gifts. You've got love. How about this lie? I'm just a loser. I can't do anything right. I don't have anything going for me. Uh, this, 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 this lie, this unbelief. You believe in lies and lies and lies and unbelief and unbelief and unbelief. And it just knocks you down and keeps you under. But Jesus said, if, I think someplace, maybe it might be Jesus He says, I came that you have and that life. That's his heart. God can't use somebody like me. We use murderers and he used pickpockets and he used thieves and he used drug smugglers. My goodness, we qualify. I'm too old or I'm too young to be used by God. And I've done too many bad things to be forgiven and to be loved by God. Two things and a close. We were running the David Wilkerson Crusade in 1883. Streets of Philadelphia around the Kensington section, Frankfurt Kensington section. A guy had just come out of prison. I don't know how many years, if 
I want to say nine years. Could have been more. Maybe it was 19. I forget the exact date, number. But he killed a man. And I talked to him. I said, listen, but God will forgive you. God will give you a hand. God will, get, God, will, God will restore you. God will reestablish you. And he says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I can still see the guy. It was probably in the summer. might have been 8, 30, 9 o'clock. When it was just that time that the lights are coming on. And it's not light, but it's not completely dark. And I still see him walking away in unbelief. And I can't be forgiven. I killed a man. No, he can't accept me. And he remained in the position of death. That's the voice we have to overcome. And I would just encourage you just by saying this. When I was a younger Christian, whenever these lies come to you, just do the opposite. You can't serve, serve. You can't be a blessing, find somebody you can be a blessing to. You can't witness, witness. You can't testify, testify. Whatever your flesh or whatever the evil one tells you, do the opposite. The Bible says, but their voices prevailed. And Jesus was killed. Don't allow these voices to prevail. So that the life of Christ may fully reign and flow and that he would be glorified. And then the work of the cross, the one that you love, that his work would not be in vain. He labored too hard for that. Don't allow his work to be in vain. I'm taking a hold of the power of the cross, Jesus. I want to honor you. Bless his name. We're all about end. Amen. 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 And all God's people together said, Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you. Lord, I don't sense, Lord, just to give an altar call this morning. Lord, we've already been in your presence, God, but we worship you, Lord. And maybe the altar call would be, Father, whether somebody is just in need to overcome the voice of temptation or the uh, voice of unbelief or the voice of discouragement or the voice of past hurt, Father, whatever voice, God, we say, I'm not going to be overcome by that. I'm allowing Jesus to be killed in me, but Jesus rule and reign in me. We worship you.